0: Hi there, and welcome to this episode of the Love to Tell the Story podcast. I'm Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire. I think you'll agree with me when I say that so often these days, it feels to us like the world is spinning hopelessly out of control. But nevertheless, we can also say that Christ reigns as King of the Universe Based on Colossians chapter 1, verses 9-20, through 20, here's today's message that's entitled, Nevertheless. And it begins with some timely thoughts on the election day that's just passed. Well, at the risk of sounding even the tiniest bit political here, may I just say to you this morning that I, for one, am very very glad that the midterm elections are now over at least here in New Hampshire I see you agree <laughs> Now don't get me wrong I believe strongly strongly in the democratic process I am grateful for the free elections we are blessed to have here in the United States and yes I did do my civic duty this past Tuesday and I voted And I was happy and proud to do so. But friends, I will swear to you now that if I had had to hear one more paid political announcement that threatened the end of democracy as we know it or or the fact that America would be ruined if the other candidate won, I might have lost my ever-loving mind. Oh well, and that's just... Politics as usual, I suppose, and unsurprising in, in these strange and mournful days, as Paul Simon once sung. But, but you know what the worst part of it all was for me, at least, because after all the signs, everywhere, all those commercials, all of the money the millions, literally millions of dollars spent to win the hearts and minds of the American people, come Wednesday morning, we woke up just as uncertain about the future and, I dare say, just as divided as a people as we were on Tuesday afternoon. Not that anybody here or any of us was expecting otherwise. No mere election cycle was going to change that, was it? Or at least it's not going to change things immediately. But still, in the aftermath of this week's events, I have to wonder, maybe you do too, what we are supposed to think, what we're supposed to do, when by all appearances, the world just continues to seem like it's spinning hopelessly out of our control. I'm actually reminded here of the words of Irish poet William Butler Yeats, who, upon witnessing the devastation that remained at the end of the First World War, famously lamented that, quote, things fall apart and the center cannot hold. What he was saying, in other words, is that throughout history, not just now, there have always been times and circumstances in which it truly seemed like the world was falling apart right before our very eyes. And truthfully, and, for, and in many ways, and for many people, it was falling apart, wasn't it? In times of war and devastation, in Holocaust, amongst deadly plagues, economic depression, terrorism, political upheaval, On and on it goes. Truly, there have been many moments across the century and all over the world when even the most faithful among us have tended to feel very, very small. Times when they have wondered how ever fleetingly whatever was to become of them. There are also times, if I might quote Craig Barnes here, as he was writing in the Christian Century, quote, when you and I are forced daily to defend ourselves against the demise of our personal worlds, when we are surrounded by marriages that crumble, companies that downsize, diseases that rob us of loved ones, and yet, he says, ever and always, life, has to go on, doesn't it? We do what has to be done, don't we? We get up in the morning, we move on with the business of life, and we keep on trying in whatever it is that we have to do to find the center of things. All in the hopes of keeping ourselves and our little world together. Yet right, Sparnes despite our best efforts to be healthy, things still fall apart. Now, I don't say any of this to you this morning to sound all morose. I do not wish to paint a bleak picture on this Sabbath day. It's just to say, if I could quote Craig Barnes once again, that if we're paying attention we have to realize that the world as we know it always is a thread away from unraveling. I know. But you see, there's a point that needs to be made here. And the point is this. Because of this world's unraveling, because of our incredible smallness in the scheme of things, we are in need of a true center. We need something. We need someone who holds all things together. What we need is someone who can intervene in the world. Someone who will destroy the powers of evil. We need a savior. And the good news today and always is that we do have a savior in the person of Jesus Christ. The one whom Paul proclaims in our text for this morning is the image of the invisible God, who is the firstborn of all creation, the one who himself is before all things, and in him, hear this, and in him all things hold together. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him, God was pleased to reconcile himself to all things, whether on earth or in heaven. That, especially about now, it's about as good news as it gets. It's worth noting, you know, that this portion of, Paul's letter to the Colossians, what Cindy just shared with us, is considered to be something of a hymn of praise. It is meant as a confession of true faith. And in fact, it was addressed to a group of beleaguered Christians living in that area, the area that's actually modern-day Turkey, and who were believers so despised, so persecuted for their Christian faith, that they had, in fact, deep doubts as to the validity of that faith. They had become uncertain of what was truly at the center of it all. This passage is a testament of how much the world has always tended to spin out of control, and (laughs) by extension, us along with it. In fact, historians tell us that at the time that this epistle was written, it had come to the point where these Colossians were gleaning onto anything, everything they could possibly find, simply so they could make sense of life and living. And as a result, they had found themselves pulled in kind of a tug of war between, on the one hand, the values of their faith, and on the other, the values of their culture. And I have to say, that's a conundrum that we know all too well, right? This idea that we can somehow begin to make sense of a world and life that's falling apart by trying to fill up that space with our own self created notions of uh, anything that'll make it meaningful. You know, money tops the list. More money we have, better things are going to get, right? Or power, or pleasure the need to find acceptance, the the, the drive to make life unfold in ways that at the very least are easier to deal with. We do what we can to make sense of it all. But that, writes the Reverend Dr. Alan Bream, who's a Presbyterian pastor and retired professor out of Texas, he says that this idea of trying to do whatever we can to make sense of things is a formula for life that pretty much undermines any chance of real happiness or any real meaning, because in the end, it falls way short of what our true purpose in life ought to be, which, as Paul tells us in this passage, is that we be filled with the knowledge of God's will with all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that we might lead lives worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. The true center of our lives, that which holds together, is found as we learn more and more about how God is working through our lives and living in the process, as the message puts it, gaining strength that endures the undurable, unendurable and which spills over into joy. I love this passage. And, and I love it for one reason, is how, because in this in particular text, five times in six verses, Paul makes a point of saying that all things are held together in Jesus Christ. In him, all things in heaven and earth are created, he says. All things are created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him, all things hold together. And through him, God was pleased to reconcile himself to all things. What we have here is Paul being relentless about this central truth of faith, that that nothing and no one is left out of the realm of redemption. The world itself, the world as we know it, may well be spinning out of control. In the words of the psalmist, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble in its tumult, Nevertheless, Paul says, nevertheless, Christ reigns, bringing peace to a fractured world through the blood of his cross. The earth will change. Life will unravel at times. Things will not always go well. Nevertheless, Christ reigns as king of the universe. So rest assured, things are going to hold together. Next Sunday, which is the last Sunday of the Christian year before Advent, believe it or not, begins the whole cycle again. Next Sunday is known as Christ the King Sunday or Reign of Christ Sunday or the Festival of the Reign of Christ. It is the church's end of the year celebration, so to speak. It is a celebration and an affirmation of a prevailing truth of our faith that it is Jesus Christ and Christ alone who is our ruler, who is our king, who is our mighty savior, the one who gives us light in darkness and who guides our feet along pathways of peace and justice and love. What's interesting about this, though, is that this Christ the King celebration, and I know I'm kind of rushing the season a little bit because it actually happens next week, but next week is also Thanksgiving, so I'm, I'm getting all my celebrating done early. This Christ the King celebration is not really a tradition that is celebrated widely in what you might call the mainstream Protestant church. Nor is it, and this is the most interesting thing of all for me, nor is it a particularly ancient tradition either. It was actually added to the Christian calendar fairly recently. Interestingly enough, it was added through the efforts of Pope Pius IX in 1925. Isn't that interesting? And significant, because in 1925, think about what was going on in the world. In 1925, Benito Mussolini had already been headed to Italy for three years. There was this rabble-rouser by the name of Adolf Hitler who had been out of jail for a year and now was creating a Nazi party growing in population and popularity. And globally speaking, much of the world was already immersed in a Great Depression, which would only get worse. And might I say, The practice of religion in 1925 was becoming more and more threatened by extremist views inside and outside the church. So, suffice to say then, that in this particular time and place of history, there were all these competing factions seeking rule of the hearts and minds of the people. And it's in the midst of this that Pius IX created this festival of celebration. And he said that whatever else would unfold in the world, whatever was happening now, whatever would be happening, nevertheless, Christ is king of the universe. In fact, the feast of Christ the King became known in those days as the church's great nevertheless. For despite the rising of dictators... The squelching of human rights, the growing godlessness of a modern world, it could and would be proclaimed again and again. That nevertheless, no matter what, Jesus Christ is Lord and Christ shall reign forever and ever. <clears throat> and it still holds today. It still holds in 2022. Our recognition as Christ, as the ruler of the world in our lives, stands as a critique of every form of earthly power, in which all the other kingdoms, powers, and princes of this world pale in comparison. Christ is our connection to the universe, a connection that brings light into our darkness, a light that brings us comfort in times of darkness and fear. The kingdoms of this world may totter and sway. Nonetheless, one realm endures, the kingdom of God. Plans for our human betterment and our unity and peace are threatened, and sometimes they get set back in big ways. Nevertheless, in Jesus Christ, we hold fast to the sure and certain hope of what is good and just and loving. And from time to time in this world, from time to time in each one of our lives, we discover to our horror that the very foundations are shaking around us, threatening to, to crumble and destroy all that we hold dear and true. Nevertheless, even while the earth is shaking, we have this steady rock on which we can hold on to, and it is Christ. Jesus, our Lord. You know that the hard truth of this world and this life is that even as believers, we exist in a world that is filled with chaos, with confusion, utter uncertainty at every turn. But the good news is that we move forward in and through all of it with hope, with confidence and with joy that is new in the morning, for we can proclaim that it is in Jesus, our Savior King, that all things hold together. For it was in Jesus that the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him, God was pleased to reconcile himself to all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. It is very tempting these days to align ourselves to whatever manner of political posturing that currently exists around us. But we would do well to be aware of a larger connection, that connection to the divine realm. To remember that ultimately our allegiance is to something radically different than the structures of this world. You know, it's also no accident that what immediately follows this Feast of Christ the King, and I mentioned it earlier, is the season of Advent. and That's happening in just two weeks, folks. And this will be in time during which we are called to look forward toward a brand new order that has already begun here and now in Jesus Christ. The great Walter Brueggemann says this very well when he writes that in Christmas... We do not celebrate the world of ancient Herod, but we sing joy to the world. The Lord is come. We sing joy to the earth. The Savior reigns. The Lord who is come. The Savior who reigns. The one who is to be received is the one who comes, reigns, and is received in this moment of our lives here and now. Well, beloved, the Lord is come. And the good news is that in this and every moment of our lives, we are being called as members of his marvelous kingdom, accepting the cost and the joy of following him, to be his servants in the service of all humanity, to proclaim his gospel to all the world and to resist the powers of evil in all of the places where that evil dwells. but The best part of all is that in this lifelong journey of discipleship, no matter what happens, no matter what pathways we take, no matter what times we find ourselves off the path and lost in the woods, the the best part is that we are ever and always in the presence of this one who is the king of kings, who is the Lord of lords, who is the one who promises us a forgiveness of sins and fullness of grace, courage in the struggle for justice and peace, his presence in trial and rejoicing, and eternal life in his kingdom, which nevertheless has no end. That's our statement of faith here in the United Church of Christ. That is our belief as disciples of Jesus Christ. And it is our hope. It is our assurance. Nevertheless, Christ is King. And so for today, tomorrow, and every day that has come, may blessing and honor, glory and power be unto him. Amen and amen. And that's the message entitled, Nevertheless. It was recorded during our November the 13th service of worship at East Congregational Church in Concord, New Hampshire, where we invite you to join us for worship every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock at the church on 51 Mountain Road, which is just off exit 16 of I-93 in Concord. I would love to have the opportunity to welcome you to our worship, and I know you'll be glad you came. Well, that's it for this episode of the Love to Tell the Story podcast. I thank you for listening today. Until next time, may God bless you with a great day every day. We'll talk to you soon.